All right. Well, Happy New Year. Long story short, I was preparing for a message in our series through Genesis, and I was making a passing observation in my intro to my sermon, and instead it led to a message that I'm about to give you today. And, and it was kind of humorous because I was making note of how in the new year we were going to continue our old habit of just studying the Bible verse by verse like we've been doing. And, um, but now I'm going to give you a topical message away from our old habits, not verse by verse. So God has a sense of humor, I am sure. And, and I've said many times, I hate how the calendar can direct the sermon. Um, that's just how I'm, I'm wired. And, but here we are, it's happened. The calendar has driven the sermon. I'm going to give you a New Year's sermon. I know, right? Wow. Ooh. Wow. Wow. We're actually paying him to do something for a change. Um, and so uh, I would typically give you our, our theme during the annual State of the Church Address, but as this message was coming together, I believe God was also giving me the theme for this year. So this morning is going to be more of a charge for our church than a message, but stay with me. For a starting point, I'd like you to turn to the book of Esther. Wow, he really... (laughs) Wow, he knows where another book is other than John and Genesis. How long have you been pastor? How many books have you taught out of? Two. Um, Esther, chapter 3. Esther is a very interesting book. It never mentions God. Esther, chapter 3. If you are unfamiliar with where Esther is, if you know where the Psalms are, then go back two books. Now, originally in my notes, I said, if you don't know where it's at, then read your Bible more. But I took that out <laughs> because one of my New Year's resolutions is to be a sweeter pastor. Esther, Job, Psalms. Now, as we read our text, let me give you some background. The house of Judah and the house of Israel, they've already been taken captive. All of the house of Israel has been scattered among the nations. They're losing their identity. They're becoming intermixed with the Gentiles. In fact, they're becoming Gentiles. The house of Judah, they're scattered as well. Um, There was many of them that were taken to Babylon, but a lot of them were scattered. And this is actually, Esther actually takes place after Cyrus had already given the decree to restore and to build Jerusalem. It's already been issued. They, They could have went home. For whatever reason, they've chosen to stay in exile. And so what we're reading here in Esther is of these Jews, which is what the house of Judah is, um, these Jews are in exile, but they're choosing to be. They're not going back to the city of Jerusalem. Um, I don't know if it's because they had less seal for the things of God. I don't know if they've just, you know how it is. Maybe you just get established and we're doing pretty good here. Why move? I mean, I don't know. There are reasons, but they're, they're still scattered about uh, out there. And so, different reasons, but they haven't all returned to the land, and, and all of them won't. With that, I want to read Esther chapter 3, 
verses 8 through 10. And Haman, now Haman, if you look in verse 1, he is a man that's been promoted above all the princes in the land. And the thing you got to know about King Ahasuerus, this kingdom was huge. It was absolutely huge. In fact, if I remember correctly, um, I think it tells us, yeah, in, in 1.1, it says that he reigned from India even unto Ethiopia. Now, my wife would have no clue what that looks like on the map, but that's a great amount of space geographically. And it, it even tells us there in verse 1 of chapter 1 that it was 127 provinces that uh, this man reigned over. And so Haman here, he's been promoted by King Ahasuerus. In verse 8, And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them or to allow them to continue. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadatha, Hamadatha the Agite, Agagite. Oh, man, let me start this over. I want to do so much better in 2022. Um, I was about to say that's the first time I've messed up in 2022. Um, gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamad, <laughs> uh, the Agagite, the Jew's enemy. Let's just stop there, amen? So there's an application to these Jews in our text and to, uh, uh, to us today. We've been liberated by the decree of our sovereign, our Lord Jesus Christ. But many Christians are choosing to stay in exile. And as a result, we are... Symbolically speaking, a scattered and dispersed people throughout this world. But still, there's enough of us Bible believers who have not lost our identity as God's people. Our moral laws differ from the moral laws of the people around us. We have different morals. And they would be fine... Some of them would be fine if God would allow a Haman to arise to wreak havoc among his people, to destroy us. They would be pleased. Listen, there's people already saying that in the Middle East. They would love to wipe America off the face of the earth. It's becoming more apparent as time goes by that we are a square peg in a round hole. We do not fit in this world. We're not supposed to. We're supposed to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a God unto you, and you will be children unto me. It would seem the only thing standing in the way of the evil agendas of our day are God's people. God's people who have enough of a backbone to stand. Stand for truth. Stand for what's right in this present evil world. 
Exodus 23, 2 says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Our nation is changing fast. Our world is changing. If you're plugged in, you know there's a lot of talk today about the Great Reset. There's facts about it, theories, biblical theories, conspiracy theories, about what all that means. But there's a departure from biblical principles and biblical truth all around us today. Many ungodly and sinful things are being forced upon a culture which, when you think about it, we never asked for. We, we never really asked for it to, be, to begin with, and yet it's being forced upon us. Why is this the case? Why did so many states vote in favor of biblical marriage between one man and one woman, and yet the judges have forced it upon us federally? The will of the people wasn't done. And listen, we've ceased to be a republic. I can make the argument we've ceased to be a democracy. It has been my long opinion we are now an oligarchy. Say, what is that? It means you are ruled by the judges. What the judges decide is what becomes law, and that's what happens. And so a state, many states, can vote to ban homosexual marriage or whatever the issue is. And yet a judge can say, no, I don't think so. Why are so many against abortion, but it's still being forced upon us? It's never been the, the majority of the people have agreed with abortion, ever. Ever. Why are so many against any gender using whichever bathroom they decide on, but it's still being forced upon us? Why are so many against CRT, and yet it's still being forced upon our children? That's critical race theory. Why was Congress trying to force women to register for military service recently? For the selective service, i.e. the draft. Why, why were they doing that? Does anybody know? I don't. Who was asking for it? Where was the outcry? Where was the momentum within the public saying, Boy, we really got to get women to sign up for selective service. You say, come on now, that's not a biblical issue. Oh, yes, it is. God said men 20 years and up ought to be the ones serving in the military. I'm not against women if they serve. But the ones that God mandated were the men. And now, all of a sudden, this has become an issue, and it was being forced in this recent defense bill. They had to take it out. But who was asking for it? Where was the need? Where was the outcry? I mean, are women not being permitted to serve if they want to? No, they are serving. In fact, 16% of the enlisted force is female. 19% of the officer corps is female. Where's the outcry? Where's the need? We're still a volunteer force. We're still remain, remaining engaged in operations all around the world. Just ask our military wives. They know. Their husbands are gone. We're still engaged in, in operations. We're still functioning. So why are they trying to re force that requirement upon us? Why are they trying to force? At the time, it was, it was definitely hot for me. My daughter was still in the house, and, and I'm sitting there going, you're going to make my daughter sign up for selective service? Listen, can I just get on a soapbox here for a second? All women's lib has done, it, it has lowered women. 
All it did was allow women to leave the precious home to go into a quote-unquote filthy man's world where all they do is cuss, drink, smoke, and act like a bunch of dopes. And no wonder that's how our women are acting now. Well, I just want to be equal with a man. Why? We are lower. Amen. I know there's a hierarchy. But you women are sweet. That's why I married one. Why are they trying to force this requirement when there's been no need? There's a pressure to keep changing, to be in this state of flux. There's a pressure to stay fluid, so much so that you can now identify with your gender. You can identify as gender fluid. There's no contentment, and it never seems to go far enough. Our government is out of control. They are continuing to force stuff upon us. Just look at the vaccine mandates. I don't care your position on the vaccine. I don't care if you got it. I don't care if you don't get it. But if you love freedom, you ought to be against the vaccine mandate. Let me rephrase that. If you are for freedom, you will be against the vaccine mandate. Once we've lost the ability to say what goes into our body, we've lost our freedom. This is a serious issue. If we lose this issue, we've lost our freedoms. I mean, I know we're losing a lot, but you mark it down. You you quote me. You put it anywhere you want to put it. If, If this vaccine mandate does not get thrown down by the Supreme Court, our country is over. It might be still be called America. We might even still be called the land of the free, but we are not free. Brave need to rise up. Otherwise, we'll be done. And you can like it or lump it, but what made this country great and what makes this country one nation under God was because just like in Esther's day, our laws, our Christian laws, are diverse from all other people. There's never been a nation like America. Ever. All that is changing rapidly. The will of the people is not being done. And as a result, there's all the wrong kind of change going on around us. Now will you please turn to Acts chapter 2. Along with a new year usually comes an optimism that we can make some positive changes in our life. Maybe some better eating habits. Maybe a more active lifestyle. For me, it doesn't take long to realize just how much I like eating ice cream while I relax. That's what I do in 2022. But this year, I'm seeing it through in 2022. Spiritually... There's usually optimism. This will be the year that will be in the Word of God daily. This is the year that we're going to have an active prayer life. This is the year that we're going to be faithful to every service that we can be. We're going to to give faithfully throughout the year. We're going to witness faithfully to those around us this year. Now, I don't believe there's anything wrong with setting goals. I think you should. 
I think you ought to strive to do better in certain areas than you did last year. I think it's great to improve in areas where we need to improve. But this is what God was hitting me with. We, I believe a new year shouldn't always be about things you need to do differently or things that you need to improve upon because there ought to be things in your life that you're already doing correctly that you just need to continue doing. It doesn't always have to be about change. If we were already disciplined spiritually, like we're supposed to be, then when the new year comes around, we wouldn't have to say things like, this is the year I'm going to start reading my Bible more faithfully. You'd already be doing it. This is the year I'm going to continue reading my Bible faithfully. How about that? Jesus said, continue in my word. He said, continue in my love. Paul encouraged believers to continue in the grace of God. Continue in the faith. Continue in God's goodness and continue in prayer. Paul encouraged Timothy to continue in doctrine. To continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. The penman of Hebrews said, let brotherly love continue. And John said, to continue in the Son and in the Father. Clearly, there are some things biblically that we ought to be doing habitually. It should not have to be a new year rolls around and we decide this is the year. No, no, no. The Bible says continue in these things. Just do them all the time. Now, if you need to make changes, then make them. So that by next year, you can say, I'm just going to continue. Now, While we watch the world around us and even churches around us constantly change, always seeking for some better way, we're just going to keep doing what we do in 2022. That's not the theme. But we're going to continue to do what we do. If you look with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they... Who's they? It's, it's, it's the church. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. I want to give you our theme for 2022. It's this first phrase here. They continued steadfastly. In a nation which is exchanging God for humanism, even in churches, in a nation full of churches that is exchanging God for humanism, so long as I'm your pastor, Liberty Baptist Tabernacle is just going to continue steadfastly. We're just going to keep doing what we've been doing. This church does not need a resolution this year. That says we're, we're going to do this better or we're going to do more of that. I, there are some areas we need to improve on. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm looking at how our church is structured, what we're doing, how we're, we're, we're going, what we're focused on. And I'm just looking at this going, we just need to continue steadfastly. Don't get your eyes off. Don't get your eyes off the prize. Brother Brett gave a great New Year's Eve challenge. Keep pressing toward that mark. Keep your eyes on it. Look, he said, the guy who was pulling the rope, um, looking at that blade of grass and reaching for it, and then looking at the next one and reaching for it. And that's what we're doing. We're just continuing stead 
steadfastly. Did you know God is not a fan of change? Did you know that? Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Why do I get the same meal at Roadhouse every time? Because I am like my Lord. I change not. Adrian's like, you never try anything new. (laughs) The T-Rex arms. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. You know, Jeremiah 6, 16 tells us, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Proverbs 24, 21 warns us, My son, fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change. You know, God's not against us updating things, amen? I think it's wonderful we have proper landscaping. (laughs) I think it's good that we were able to remodel the back of the sanctuary. God's not against that. Um, God's not against us utilizing technology to our advantage, things of this nature. But God doesn't want His church changing and shifting with the cultural winds of their day. A few months ago, someone told me we should change up our music in order to get more people in. The amazing thing was this person has never attended a church service here. They, they didn't know we were already out of room. And, and, but I told them, we're not going to compromise Amen. for the sake of trying to please the world. Amen. What sense does that make? And yet the modern movement in America today is how do you structure church to make it comfortable for the lost? Church isn't for the lost. Let me prove that to you. What is the church? It is a body of believers. believers. It's not a body of the lost. Well, we got to make them feel... They're not going to feel comfortable. They're lost. Well, if you would update the music, you know, you might just see some awesome things happen. Now, this person attends a church where this has been proven true. It is true. If you'll bring the world in, the world will come in. And I'm okay if they're in, but I'm not changing to bring them in. It is true. If you'll make those changes, the church will grow numerically. But sadly, this person is blinded by the fact that when the worldly music came in, the gospel went out. That's usually where it starts. And I don't even mean worldly sounding music, okay? So don't come to me and say, well, it's got good lyrics. No, I'm talking about churches that are bringing in the world's music, literally. Some nut just had Bohemian Rhapsody played in his church. Now, if you don't look up the lyrics and tell me, what is godly about that? I mean, it's talking about killing somebody. Listen. This church actually is doing a series on rock songs and how they apply spiritually. So they have to play the song and then talk about it. And he even admitted, I don't know why, you know, that song really has nothing spiritual about it, but I just like the song. 
Now, he's a big dude. He'd probably beat me up. I don't you know. But behind the camera, I can say, that's moronic. And it's amazing that it's, it's come to this point. Uh, and listen, that, that church, you can look it up on YouTube. You can come see me. I'll tell you the name of the church. Um, but they, they're actually giving a series on why it's beneficial to have secular music in church. They, they are bold in justifying their worldliness. Listen, I'm not saying everything you ever listen to has to come from the Red Hymn Book. But we're not bringing that into here. But it's amazing how this, this point has become one of the primary growth thoughts of our day. Just change the music. What does God have to say about it? The reason I say this is amazing because why wouldn't so-called Christians say the best way to reach more people is to have the Holy Spirit present? Instead, they're saying, be more like the world. And it's like, it's all okay. God is, God is pleased so long as Jesus, Jesus is sprinkled in somewhere along the way. God is not pleased. And if all we do is mirror the world to get the world in here, eventually the world's going to look at what we're doing in here going, why do I need to go in there? Because I can go somewhere else and have some booze while I'm doing it. Amen. We're going to continue steadfastly in the same direction with our music program. I want music that's filled with Bible doctrine. It honors God and His Christ. It allows the Holy Spirit to prepare our heart for the message. And Brother Long, you do a great job in leading our music. And I think God's very pleased with our position musically. It's been my prayer. It's been my prayer that this city would see God still honors holiness. We're not changing to bring a crowd. We're going to continue steadfastly with the authorized King James Bible. It's not that I think people are the devil if they're not convinced on that issue yet. We're not checking Bibles at the door. Amen. Anybody's welcome to to attend here regardless of their position on the issue. But it does mean our church's official position is we are convinced that the Hebrew, Masoretic, Old Testament text and the Texas Receptus New Testament text are God's Word. And that has been preserved in English into the King James translation. We're not going to add to it. We're not going to take away from it. It's God's Word. I know it's over 400 years old, but it's also withstood the test of time. It is this book which brought revival to the colonies. It is this book that our nation was founded upon. And as far as I can tell, almost every major revival that has taken place in America, maybe every one has been a result of this King James Bible. We're going to continue steadfastly with our press in printing the Word of God. We're going to keep sending John and Romans all over this world for free. By the grace of God, we'll be printing God's Word until the Lord shows up. We're going to continue steadfastly with preaching. Every time I say we're going to continue steadfastly, just go ahead and wake up and go, Amen. Um, It'll make me feel better anyway. We're going to, we'll we'll wait till I say the word that follows. We're going to continue steadfastly. We're going to continue steadfastly with preaching. Old fashioned preaching, old time preaching. We're keeping the pulpit. 
we're going to keep preaching straight from God's Word and we're going to keep preaching the whole counsel of God's Word. We're not replacing the pulpit with a little table off to the side where I can put my tablet up there and just kind of be like... (laughs) Have a little stool where I can just communicate with you for a little bit. We can just have a little visit. No, no, no. God said by the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. I'm not dyeing my hair in a sad attempt to look young. I know my eyes look rough and I'm starting to get that raccoon look about me, but... I'm not going to try to fit into a pair of skinny jeans. Wow. Adrian, mark that down. That's a good preaching point. They all said amen to that. It's not that I can't. I just don't want to. Please understand my heart and what I'm about to say, but we don't need more fellowships. We don't need more events, but we need more preaching. Someone says, well, you don't understand. The children need more fun projects. No, no, no. They need more preaching. Somebody said, well, the teens, you know, they need more events, and that would really help them turn out right. Oh, no. They need more preaching. What do the the adults need? You need more preaching. You say, well, surely we can agree the owls are old enough. They don't need more preaching. Oh, no. You haven't ministered to owls yet. They need preaching. They're going through a hard time, in all seriousness. Bodies are breaking down. What can I do? Is God done with me? You need preaching. You need preaching. We're going to continue steadfastly with altar calls. Yep, we're going to continue to encourage you to make a decision at the end of preaching. I don't know when that became taboo to stop doing that or to not do it anymore, but uh, we're going to keep doing it. I know it's not popular, but hey, give me that old-time religion. It was good for our fathers. It's good enough for me. Besides, those who, are, those who are not at the altar never seem to understand the principles given in the Old Testament about altars. Those against altar calls don't understand. They don't seem to understand the New Testament principle of presenting your body as a living sacrifice. I love the altar call. If you move towards God, He'll move towards you. You say, well, that's talking spiritually. That may be, but what's wrong with showing people you're serious about your walk with God? Do it publicly. That's why we have baptisms. They didn't bring spiritual animals to offer an altar uh, and sacrifice upon the altar in the Old Testament. They brought along an animal publicly, brought it to the altar to have it sacrificed in front of everybody. There's nothing to hide. And, And listen, I've been doing this for over 20 years. And when you've been observing from this side of the pulpit long enough, you'll witness from this view the difference between those who live at the altar and those who never go. Those who God uses and those who God doesn't. You'll never convince me it's wrong to have an altar call. We're going to continue steadfastly with the altar call. We're going to continue steadfastly with a biblical approach to church structure. say, what do you mean, preacher? We're staying independent. There's not going to be an organization over us. We're not even a 501c3. Amen. We are an independent Baptist church. We are non-denominational, if you will. 
We don't need some parent church over us telling us, okay, now you've got to use this curriculum. Well, you know, we, we all had a meeting and all the, the 47 heads of our denomination decided it's okay to have uh, lesbian pastors. We're not going down that road. Why? We are an independent Baptist church. We're going to stay independent. Why are we staying Baptist? Because we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. What else do I mean? We're going to continue to be a pastor-led church. I know that's not popular today. But all that really means is you're recognizing that I'm going to stand before God to give an account for you. For this church. We love our deacons, but the Bible never gives the deacons authority to take the oversight of the church. I love this congregation, but God never gave you the authority to have the oversight of this church. We're going to continue to steadfastly uh, have our Wednesday night prayer meeting. I know it should be our highest attended. Preacher, that ought to be our highest attended service. I know. But it's our lowest. We're still going to have it. Whether you don't want to show up in prayer because you're too embarrassed to pray. Listen, we're not even praying out loud. We're just breaking up in little small groups. I'm praying with my wife. Some of y'all can't even do that. Oh, mercy. I'm starting to... It's, the Spirit's starting to saturate. Amen? It's running down the beer to the... Well, I, somebody said, you're trying to grow a beer? It's like, no, this is the best I can do. Uh, if you saw me, I watched nice service. Uh, right. Justin could wake up tomorrow with a beard. I, I just... But listen, we're, we're going to keep Wednesday night. I know it's the lowest attended. I don't care if it's just me and my family here. We're going to keep prayer time. Amen. We're going to have corporate prayer. We're going to continue steadfastly with saturation and soul winning. Amen. Yep, that's the area where we can build upon. That's the one we can do a lot better with. And I'm hoping this year we get that going the way we ought to be doing. But we're going to continue filling Jerusalem with our doctrine. We're going to continue steadfastly with the bus ministry. We're going to keep going, uh, doing our best to reach these precious children and hopefully one day their parents. We're, we're going to keep at it. We're going to continue steadfastly with all our ministries as we continue to try to reach more souls for Christ. You hear me say it all the time, but it is my heart's desire that we will reach more marriages, more rebellious children. will help establish more homes, that we'll, we'll just be making an impact in our area. We're going to continue steadfastly with our academy. If there was ever a time for Christian education in America, it is now. Listen to me, parents. If you can't have your kids in the academy because of finances, you come and see me. And we're going to use our academy to keep focused on building godly character. Yeah, we want you to have a good you know, GPA or whatever in the world we do here. I don't know what ACE does. Amen. They call me the school administrator. I don't know anything about it. Um, but listen, we're going to keep building godly character. I want you to have, uh, you know, be an egghead and all those things. But listen, if you're not walking with God, what's the point? That's our focus. In closing, I just want to tell you, we're not going to meddle with change. Our country is changing. It's changing fast. Even our churches are changing. We're just going to stay with it. We don't need change. We need to remain. The world doesn't need something like them, but the world needs to see a difference. And they continued steadfastly. May that be Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. Pray with me, please.